If you've ever been to a Christian camp, chances are you've been a part of something called Victory Circle. Victory Circle is the campfire we do where we, uh, people from all the different churches, students from all the different churches, uh, share stories about how God has been at work during the week. Now, you may not know this, but Beach Point had a Hall of Fame Victory Circle leader. His name was Doug Jeffrey. Uh, fun fact, if you remember the song that Doug Jeffrey used to lead uh, when someone became a Christian, put it in the chat right now. Uh, but Doug was a legend. He was so good at leading the students and coaching them and helping them express what God had been doing. But when Doug retired, it was very difficult to find a replacement for him. Uh, we would try different pastors every year and no one seemed to have the ability uh, to lead with, with such confidence as Doug did. One year it was particularly interesting, I guess. Uh, for whatever reason, students got very inspired to burn things in the fire. Uh, there were students who were throwing their CDs in and, and uh, repenting of the music they listened to. Uh, others uh, would throw a journal in or, or a workbook. Uh, uh, some, uh, one girl took her heavy metal t-shirts and threw them in the fire. Another guy took his wrestling magazines and World Wrestling Federation uh, t-shirts and paraphernalia and threw that into the fire. Kids were running back to cabins trying to find something to burn in the fire. It frankly got a little weird. At one point, our pastor uh, looked over at uh, one of the students in the youth group and he said, I dare you to go to the front and see how high you can make that fire. Well, challenge accepted. That student went to the front of the line. He got up there. He began to share testimony and then log. He would begin to share and then he'd place another log on the fire. And before you knew it, uh, that fire that was a couple feet tall had turned to six, eight feet tall in height. Uh, what, what had begun as kind of a, a, a moment of sharing had turned into this kind of uh, a blazing inferno. And while we were uh, laughing in the back, uh, the, the pastor in the front was trying to figure out how he was going to prevent a forest fire. It, it, it's almost a rite of passage to, to, for a Christian to burn something in a fire, isn't it? Now, before you panic, that student has grown up to be a, a wonderful Christian man, husband, father, and ironically enough, fire captain in the city of Huntington Beach. Uh, but the story of Daniel chapter three is different. It turns this whole idea on its head. Uh, thinking about the, the unique way in which uh, we uh, uh, throw our idols into the fire, this is the story of how idolaters uh, turn this on their head, where they turn instead and want to throw the people of God into a fire. It's a story of loyalty and faithfulness, but not knowing exactly how God is going to respond to their loyalty, not knowing how God is going to respond to their faithfulness. But in this, we see God's presence in their darkness. And, and here's an idea that we're going to stress over and over again today in our time, that there will always be another in the fire with you. There will always be another in the fire with you. You are not promised a worry-free, stress-free, trial-free, fire-free life. But what you are promised is that God will be with you in it. That, that God is in these times with us. And so let me invite you to turn to Daniel chapter 3. It, the, the first six books of the book of Daniel, the first six chapters of the book of Daniel, we're, we're looking at the stories of these four friends. And, and we're watching the unique way where over and over the Lord is present with them despite crisis. There's hope in the midst of difficulty. God's presence and God's power. 
And, and these same messages that we see in that time are there for us again today. It's true for us. So these four kids, uh, kids of royalty, have found themselves in a new nation, a new culture. They're prisoners, they're aliens, they're strangers. And the goal has been to enculturate them into the ways of Babylon. New identities, new loyalties, new gods. But, but what we have seen different since chapter one is that these four young have chosen a different path. They have chosen a different way. They have chosen a, a path of faith and faith continues to be met with favor. And, and we wanna hold on to that idea uh, during this month that faith is met with favor. Last week, we saw their lives in danger. They were facing an obstacle that was too big for them to handle in their own strength. An impossible task to interpret a dream, but not just to interpret a dream, but to say what the dream was and then interpret it. And all the wise men said, look, no one can do that. Only the gods can do that. But the gods don't interact with us in this way. But Daniel and his friends believed something different. They, they turned and they prayed. They did believe there was a God who was present and they believed there was a God who had power. And they prayed and God gave them an answer and they revealed the dream. And in this dream, it was a, a, a powerful way in which they were able to see the unique way in which God was working in the nations. A, a vision of a statue, its head gold representing Babylon and then silver and bronze and it goes down, the idea of other kingdoms would come, but overall, a kingdom that would never end. There would be a kingdom that would come. And what we saw, and as what Justin pointed out so well last week, is this idea that, that no challenge is too big for God. And as they trusted him, they, they were not just relieved from the, the threat against their lives, they were promoted, they were given places of honor. Now, chapter three begins, it seems almost with a, a, a response to what King Nebuchadnezzar has heard. A head of gold has now turned into a response from him. In the plains of Dura, he sets up a statue 90 feet tall. He covers it in gold. He sets up a ceremony to, uh, for, for people to respond, a worship ceremony. There's at least six instruments, probably more, that when you hear the music play wherever you are, you fall to your knees, you bow down, you worship. And the people, they just, without hesitation, without resistance, they bow. It, it was a compelling way for them to show their allegiance and their loyalty to the king and to his gods. And while it's met without hesitation from everyone, there are three who choose a different path. And we we uh, can, can best assume is that along with the promotion came jealousy. Other wise men who saw them rise to their, their position of power, they, they noticed the way that Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego do not bow down to other gods. Verse 12, we see this, that they neither serve the gods nor worship the image of gold. And they turn to Nebuchadnezzar. They, they play on his vanity. They tell him, uh, King, haven't, haven't you called us to do this? When the music plays, we all together as one, we are to fall and worship. And the king knows this is what he's asked for. And, and they play on this, that here are three who will not bow down to your gods. They will not bow down to you. They will not bow down to the statue you have made. Nebuchadnezzar calls these three in. It seems almost as if he offers them an olive branch, a chance 
to redeem themselves. He tells the three, you're going to hear the music. And when you hear the music, bow down and worship and all will be forgiven. But if you don't, you will be thrown into the blazing furnace. And then what God will be able to protect you? It's a powerful moment, a powerful confrontation, asking the question, what God is able to defend you? Now, on the surface for the Babylonians, it would seem no God could. They've conquered nations. They've made other gods. uh, uh, In essence, they've vanquished other gods. They've, They've collected the articles of other temples and placed them in their own, a symbol that their gods have all the power. But subtly, the author of Daniel continues to point to this idea that the Lord is in charge. Turn with me to verse 16. We see kind of this this huge moment. This is their response. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego replied to him, King Nebuchadnezzar, we do not need to defend ourselves before you in this matter. If we are thrown into the blazing furnace, the God we serve is able to deliver us from it, and he will deliver us from your mighty hand. But even if he does not, We want you to know, your majesty, that we will not serve your gods or worship the image of gold you have set up. This this peak moment is a a moment of unflinching devotion, a a moment of of certainty, but, but uncertainty at the same time, certainty of what they must do, but uncertainty of how God will respond. They know that God is able to deliver them, but how he chooses to deliver them is up to him. They have completely surrendered themselves to what may happen, but they are not going to give their loyalty or allegiance to any other God, to any other idol, to any other name or image. They know the scriptures. They know the only fire to truly fear is our God, who is a consuming fire, and they will serve him only. Their courage is remarkable. They are not seeking death, but they're not afraid of it either. And in their courage, they take a stand. Now, Nebuchadnezzar turns from this rational moment to an irrational rant. You can almost sense uh, his, the volume of his voice rising, the, the, the color in his face flushing red, his blood pressure pumping, his, his heart raging. He's screaming at the top of his lungs to grab the strongest guards, to bind them up, to turn the, the, the furnace to its highest heat and to throw these three rebels into the furnace. And the order is so passionate and so urgent that there's a backdraft when they throw these three in. The the strongest guards are consumed by the flames and they perish. And there's chaos, but Nebuchadnezzar is satisfied. He sits back on his throne, confident that any rebellion has now been squashed, or has it? Look at verse 24. Then Nebuchadnezzar leapt to his feet in amazement and asked his advisors, weren't there three men that were tied up and thrown into the fire? And they replied, certainly your majesty. And he said, look, I see four men walking in the fire, unbound and unharmed. And the fourth looks like a son of the gods. 
He looked at the bottom of the furnace and he saw in the opening, he saw a fourth. He couldn't believe his eyes, an angel of God, the presence of their God with them in the fire. What he sees is the promise of God that there will always be another in the fire with you. This was the promise to the ancestors. Deuteronomy 31, as they prepare to go into the the promised land, the promises that I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. Soon after Joshua was given the same promise, I will go with you. I will be with you. This promise again and again, it became our promise as the church. Hebrews 13 reminds us that that promise is our promise, that still he's the same yesterday, today, and forever, that he will never leave us nor forsake us. Jesus said to us, I'll be with you till the very end. God did not promise them an exile without trouble, but what he did promise is that he would be with them. If they sought him, if they would seek him with all their heart, they would find him. As the prophet Isaiah told them, but now this is what the Lord says. He who created you, Jacob, he who formed you, Israel, do not fear for I have redeemed you. I have summoned you by name. You are mine. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. And when you pass through the rivers, they will not sweep over you. When you walk through the fire, you will not be burned. The flames will not set you ablaze for I am the Lord, not your God, the Holy One of Israel, your Savior. There will always be another in the fire with you. One of the biographers of Martin Luther King Jr. tells about a time when he began to have a a great sense of doubt. It was just before the the leading of the Montgomery bus boycott, uh, which would launch the, the civil rights movement. And Martin Luther was feeling this overwhelming sense of why me? Why has God seen fit to catapult me into such a situation? He was overwhelmed and feeling the sense of dark night of the soul. He he began to try to think of a way in which he could move out of the picture without appearing to be a coward. And so he turned to God. And dropping his hands into his, his, his head into his hands, he, he began to pray aloud in the hush of his kitchen. Lord, I'm down here trying to do what's right, but Lord, I'm faltering. I'm losing my courage. And I can't let the people see me like this. But I've come to the point where I can't face it alone. And at that moment, King would tell it, he seemed to hear the inner voice of Jesus whispering in his heart, answering him, Martin Luther, stand up for righteousness, stand up for justice, stand up for truth, And I will be with you. And lo, I will be with you even to the end of the world. He promised to never leave me. No, never to leave me alone. There will always be another in the fire with you. And you may feel in this moment somewhat overwhelmed about what's happening in your home or in your work. Uh, of how you're trying to handle this cultural moment or just the, 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 the fatigue of this year. But, but know this, much like Martin Luther King Jr., uh, 
we fall our, ourselves into great biblical company. Moses was looking for an excuse not to be the person to lead the people out of Egypt. Uh, Jeremiah, Josiah, David, they were all considered too young. Esther was considered of the wrong nationality, or so she thought. But for all these people, one way or another, God reminded them that he would be present with them. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they were outnumbered. They were exiled. They were, it, it, no one would have blamed them had they given in. But they persevered. They endured in their faith. They believed that somehow, some way, that God would deliver them. And God did. Nebuchadnezzar approached the furnace as he looked in. He called them to come out. They came out. And the only thing that burned up were, were the ropes that he had bound them in. He looked, he examined them, not a, not a sign of fire on them, not even the scent of fire on them. It was, it was as if they hadn't even gone into the fire. Unsinged, unscorched, unscented by this fire of judgment. Instead, they had seen the presence and power of God. And Nebuchadnezzar addressed the crowd. He said, Praise be to the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who has sent his angel and rescued his servants. They trusted in him and defied the king's command. They were willing to give up their lives rather than serve or worship any God except their own God. Verse 28, underline that phrase, they trusted in him. They were willing to give up their lives rather than serve or worship any God but their own God. These three would not worship another God, and neither can we. They would not give their allegiance or loyalty to anything or anyone else, and neither should we. There was no compromise. They were not willing to share their worship with any other gods, any other agenda. And bowing down to idols in our day can lead to a promotion. It can advance your agenda or your career or your influence. It can also protect you. It can protect you from ridicule or losing your job or death. But like these three, you and I are called to stand and have faith. To trust in the one who will be with us in the fire. God could have snuffed out the fire. He could have removed Nebuchadnezzar. But instead, he chose to be with them, to deliver them by being with them. And this would be the powerful message again and again for this season of God's people. They would be in exile for a season. For 70 years, Jeremiah wrote, they would have to prepare to be in exile for a long time. But, but God knew his plans for them, plans to prosper them and not to harm them, plans to give them hope and a future. And he offered them something. He said to them, then you will call on me and you will come and pray to me and I will listen to you. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. I will be found by you, declares the Lord. He did not promised them a pressure-free life. He promised his presence. 
He promised to be with them in this and that if they would seek him, they would find him. If they would turn to him, he would be there. He would never leave them. No, he would never forsake them. And so can I give you a call to action this week? As we began last week, let's continue a simple prayer. Each day, Lord, here I am. Lord, I present myself to you. Lord, here I am. Let's pray it when we wake up. Let's pray it throughout our day. In situation after situation, you find yourself in, present yourself with that simple prayer. Lord, here I am. Make him your hiding place. Make him the one you turn to. This is what they did. We've seen since chapter one for over three years, there was this, this discipline, this, this devotion in them to day after day present themselves to God and let him sustain them. And over all that time, they, they were able to build up that courage to be able to stand in this moment, you and I too, day after day, in situation after situation, we have to offer ourselves to God in the simple things as well as the complex so that when that moment of fire comes, we know how to stand. We are confident that God will stand with him. He will stand with us. Make him your hiding place. Let's offer ourselves to him. Let's seek him with all our heart. I I would encourage you, download the song the band played, Another in the Fire. Listen to it on repeat this week. Sing it. Just, Just let that message burn in your heart. This is why we trust him, because he's with us. You are not called to live a life alone, but a life with him. This is what he wants. So present yourself to him. Lord, here I am. Let's pray for that. Lord, we, we want you to be our hiding place. And so again, this morning, as we, we set out on our week, we, we offer ourselves to you. We present ourselves to you. Lord, here we are. Lord, here I am. We love you and we love that you will be with us in these things. Build our confidence, build our faith. Build our trust when we are placed in these compromising situations so that we don't bow down. We don't give our loyalty to anything or anyone else. Lord, be our hiding place this week. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.